so that's good. But we will make an announcement to uh, please stand and let's worship together. God is the lamb, the lamb that 
Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that no matter the circumstance, no matter what life throws our way, uh, the blessings or the trials, dear God, you're Lord of everything. Yes, uh, Dear God, you're in control. Uh, you're loving. You're unchanging. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. Dear God, we just praise you for that this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're so inclined to hug. Just, just tell somebody good morning. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Hi, y'all. How's everybody this morning? <laughs> We're good. <laughs> Before we get started, <laughs> a little, little too much mic. There we go. Uh, before we get started, let's pray for those that are sick right now. Because there are so many amongst us that are sick. Uh, Andy and I found out last night that our neighbor across the street He's been in the hospital with COVID, with the pneumonia. His wife, it just kind of touched her, but it hit them square in the face. So many folks, Ron Pearson went to the hospital this week with appendicitis. He's still in because of swelling. It's just, just a rough time. But we can thank God for bad health, can't we? Because it means God gave us enough good health that we can appreciate it. Let's pray. Father God, you are holy, holy, holy as your angels proclaim. There's not one rogue virus that's outside your hand. There's not a rogue molecule in the universe or else you wouldn't be sovereign. And God, we know you to be the sovereign God. Father, we've got so many amongst us that are sick. Father, some that just have a light sniffle and Father, others that are battling for their lives with cancer and everything in between. Father, we ask for your hand of healing your hand of provision, Father, that you would touch them, Father, whether it be just through your spoken word or through medicine from a doctor, but Lord, that you would work, that you would be active in their lives, Father, that you would draw them close to you, Father, let them feel the love that you have for them and the healing that is in the name of Yahweh. Father, as we come to a time to break bread together, Father, that you would Open your word to us. Let us feast upon your word. Father, that it must first convict me before it can convict anybody else. God, may you be glorified today. Father, may you be glorified in our bad health because you have provided so much good health for us. Father, may you be glorified in the reading and teaching of your word because you loved us enough to send it. Father, may you be glorified and our coming ins and our going outs. Fathers, we greet one another in the parking lot after this as we sing your name. Fathers, we praise on the daily basis. 
May you be praised as we work at our jobs to your glory and not for our own. Father, may your people glorify your name. May we praise you, may we worship you. Father, we love you, though we don't show it as often as we should. We don't show it as best we should. But Father, look to the innermost parts of us. Father, be glorified in your people. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask it all in the pure and holy name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. A few months ago, Andy Stanley preached a sermon series called Aftermath. And the very first sermon in it, he made a statement, and I wish I could have found the clip untouched, but everybody that saw the statement that felt the need to comment on it, put it on their site, and then they would let it go for a few seconds, make a comment, let another sentence go, make a comment. And I, just, I just wanted the whole clip, and I couldn't find it. But he says that we must unhitch the New Testament from the Old Testament. That we have to separate the two, that while the Old Covenant was good, the New Covenant's better. Now that statement, I do not disagree with. But you can't unhitch them. You can't take them apart. Paul, in Acts chapter 20, verse 27, when he's saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, he said, I did not shrink back from teaching the whole counsel of God. Paul didn't have the books of Acts to teach. He didn't have the book of Ephesians at the moment. He writes Ephesians a little bit later. He didn't have Romans to preach from. He didn't have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John to deliver out. Uh, he may have had a copy of Matthew... Mark or Luke, Paul had the Old Testament. It's the whole council. The Old Covenant precipitates the New Covenant. We can't tear them apart. And that broke my heart to hear a pastor with such influence say such a thing. Hebrews chapter 8, the author says, that these people, these things, they serve as examples for us. They serve as shadows of things to come. Now while not everything in the Bible is written to us, a vast majority of it's not written to us. It's not written to 21st century America. It wasn't written to 18th century Africa or 20th century China. But it's written for everybody. It's written for the single mother is written for the wealthy billionaire. It's written for the man that's working in the rice paddy with his five daughters because his wife passed away. It's written for everybody. And there are parts of it that are about us. And the passage we're going to talk about today in 2 Samuel, I believe it was written to us for our benefit because it's about us because in this passage, I see myself. In this passage, I see my children. In this passage, I see each and every one of us, every called redeemed. Every person that's been called, every person that's been redeemed by the blood of Christ. So if you would, let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 15. You can keep your seat for a moment. I want to set the scene for us. But 8, 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 15. Now there's been a lot that's gone on. Saul has died. Jonathan has died. Two more of Saul's sons have been killed. David has exacted revenge on the man that came and told him that Saul died because Saul was injured and he went ahead and finished him off. 
David's united Israel and Judah. He's the king of both nations now. He's, recon he's reconciled Israel into one nation. And he's just about suppressed all of Israel's enemies for the moment. So 2 Samuel 8, 15. So David reigned over all Israel. And David administered justice and righteousness for all his people. Joab, the son of Zariah, was over the army. And Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were priests. And Sariah was secretary. Benaniah, the son of Jehoadiah, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. And David's sons were chief ministers. David's established his government. He's put people in place that he believes he can trust. He's put sons out as governors of the land, as chief ministers. He's got guys that fought side by side with him in the various battles that he's fought that have proven themselves as battle, as loyal. He's put them in places of operating power, as it were. He's got what he believes to be the right people in the right place for the right time. And so things are kind of peaceful in Israel for the moment. And David's in his kingdom, and he's sitting there, and he's in his council, and he says this, so if you will please stand, we'll get to the heart of today's message. Beginning in chapter 9, verse 1, Then David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show a kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. Father God, we thank you for your word. Father, sometimes it seems odd. Sometimes it seems bizarre. But Father, when we break it apart and we begin to look at it, you show us you. You show us your hand, you show us judgment, you show us mercy, you show us wrath, and you show us grace. Father, set me aside. Father, may you teach, may you preach, may you guide, may you direct. Father, may you break toes and break hearts today. Father, may you be glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So everything's peaceful, and David's sitting in his kingdom, and he's... He's got his boys there, he's got his friends there, all his chief ministers. And this is several years after Saul has died, after Jonathan has died. And so he's been busy reconciling the kingdom, fighting the Amalekites, fighting the Hebusites, fighting Edomites, all these different peoples. He just won a battle over in Syria. And so things are kind of calm, and he just begins to think, man, I wonder if anybody's left from Saul's house. I wonder. I wonder if, if anybody's still alive. I mean, because you know, I love Jonathan so much. David's probably sitting there and looking at his wrist, and he sees a line across his wrist, and it's probably black. And it's a reminder from 1 Samuel 18. Right after he killed Goliath, he gets taken to see Saul. And he talks to Saul, and Saul, Saul wouldn't let him go back home. He's like, man, I, I need people like you. 
David's like, I'm just a boy. I'm just a real boy. Saul's like, no, I, I, I can't let you go back home. Who's your daddy? He's like, well, I'm, I'm the least son of your servant Jesse, a Bethlehemite. And Saul's like, well, buddy, you're not going home. You're staying here. I, I, I need people like you. Don't understand. You just killed Goliath. You killed this giant. You killed a, a grandson of a knock, as it were. I need people like you who have, the, who have the fear of God and the love of God in them to fight battles for me. And Jonathan is so taken by David. He's so impressed with David that 1 Samuel 18 says that Jonathan and David entered into covenant. Now anytime biblically there's a covenant expressed, blood is shed. And we see this. We see this in the Western movies. They'll take their pocket knife out, cut their hand. Indian, Indian and a cowboy, they'll shake hands. They're now what? Blood brothers. Well, we got kind of squeamish, so now it's spit in your hand and shake. Well, it's almost as dangerous now with COVID, isn't it? <laughs> well, the Jews had something very similar. Uh, you, God said that what's in the blood? Life. You're not to drink the blood of an animal because the life is in the blood. So when you mingle the blood, what do we mingle? Lives. What they would do is they would cut the wrist and let it bleed. Eli, come here a minute. I would cut my wrist, Eli would cut his wrist, and we would grip like this so the blood on our wrist would mingle. Now we, we see in a lot of the recreations like Viking movies and all this where this is how they handshake. This is why they would shake hands like this, because this represents that covenant. All right, thank you. So they would go sit down. Go sit down. And so David's probably sitting there looking at that black line. They would take ash, rub it in, or some type of rust, and they would rub it in so that that line stays. It's a tattoo. It's, it's a reminder of the covenant that they entered to. And so David's probably sitting here. He may be talking, and he just happens to look down. Hey, guys. Well, I'm thinking about it. Is there anybody from Saul's house, not Jonathan's house, but Saul's house, that I could show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Hey, you know, I made a covenant. I need to keep that covenant. I, I need to show kindness. You know, I'm king now. Things are kind of calmed down. Let me focus on this for a minute. And so they bring him a servant. Servant's name Zeba. He says, Zeba, is there anybody that's left? Ziba says, yeah, Jonathan had a son. His name's Mephibosheth, but he's crippled. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? So what if he's crippled? What does it matter? It's, it's Jonathan's son. Well, if we turn back over a few years and a few chapters to 2 Samuel 4, we see how Mephibosheth came to be crippled. The, the news of Solomon dying, the news of Jonathan dying, has reached the palace. Now Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the report of Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And as it happened, and it happened in her hurry to flee, he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. 
Now, if we read that just in chronological reading, we get to it and we think, oh, how bad. Kid got crippled. So sad, we'll never see him again. Well, he pops up several chapters later, several years later, probably 15 or 20 years later, Mephibosheth pops up. And he's the son. And so David asked Ziba, well, where is he? And Ziba says that... uh, is there not yet one, anyone in the house of Saul whom I may show kindness to? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who was crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, Behold, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Now Lodabar is a combination of two words, lo and debar. Lo meaning without or rid of, and debar means pasture. So Ziba is living in a place that means without pasture. Lodabar, in relation to Jerusalem, is kind of like Ackworth in relation to Noonan. You go up the Jordan River, when you get to the Jabbok River, you hang a right, and you go out almost to the headwaters, and it's out in mountainous territory. There's no vegetation whatsoever. There's a few jackrabbit. There's tons of scorpions, tons of snakes. It's a very inhospitable area. So we've got Mephibosheth who's been crippled in a place where there's no pasture. If there's no pasture, there's no what? No livestock. If there's no livestock, for the most part, then there is no sustenance there. He's living in a very barren land where there is no sustenance. It almost sounds like me. I was crippled by a fall, was I not? You were crippled by a fall, were you not? Adam and Eve, in their haste to flee from God, fell. To flee from God's path, they fell. They crippled all of us. We can't walk. We can't walk the way God calls in our own strength. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says what? That it's not by works, right? It's by grace. That we're saved through that grace. It's not by our works. There's nothing that we can do. We're crippled. We have no ability in God. We have no strength when it comes to God. We, we're, we're living in a land where there is no sustenance when we live in sin. There's nothing that sustains us when we live in sin. We live on pride for a little while. It gets weak. We live on lust for a while. It runs out. We live in our own strength. It runs out. And then we're just left barren. We're left crippled with nothing. And then we're called out. And we cry out, what is there? Is there nothing more? Well, it says David sends for him. Then King David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. And he was tripped and he fell and he screamed, Don't you know who I am? Don't you know that I'm a crown prince of Israel? You're just an illegitimate king. What power do you have over me? not what it says, is it? Y'all are thinking, man, what verse is he reading from? <laughs> the son of Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he said, here is your servant. David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan and will restore you to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, 
and you shall eat at my table regularly. Could he have played that card? Don't you know I'm a crown prince of Israel? My daddy was Jonathan. My grandfather was Saul, the first king of Israel. Don't you know who I am? Don't you get who I'm supposed to be? I should be king, not you. You're illegitimate. No, he doesn't play that card. He doesn't even play Uncle David. I'm your nephew. Have mercy on me. Does he play that card? No. He's David's nephew by marriage. Michal, Saul's daughter, is Jonathan's sister. And this is Jonathan's son, and David's married to Michal. So this is David's nephew. David doesn't even know his nephew's still alive. But calls him. Mephibosheth doesn't play that card. What does he do? He falls down prostrate. Who am I? He knows that he is, his strength is impotent in the sight of this warrior king. Could you imagine him sitting in his house in Lodabar, and all of a sudden a contingent of the king's men come riding over the hill, and his nurse has told him all of these years, if David finds you, David will kill you. If the guards come for you, it's surely so that you will die. David has the right to kill you, to take your head, you need to hide. You need to stay hidden as long as possible. You don't need to go to David. You need to stay away. If you see them coming, hide as best you can. Get away as fast as you can. So with him being crippled in his feet and unable to walk, he may be sitting by the window one day. And he looks out. And here comes a band of Israeli guards riding over the hill, some of David's finest. David's messengers gone to get him. Could you imagine how his heart sank? How it fell? I am as good as dead. I'm a dead man. I can't run. I have no strength. I have no power. I'm sitting here in this guy's house that was kind enough to take us in maybe 20 years ago. And I sit by this window every day. I watch a few rabbits play. I watch a few snakes catch rabbits. I see scorpions. I watch the clouds go by. I have no strength, no ability in and of myself. And here come the guards. Maybe they're not looking for me today. Maybe they're not calling for me today. Maybe they have some other business with Amiel or with Maker. Maybe they're coming to talk to him because Amiel... He was a friend of David. He was a friend of Saul's. He worked with him. So maybe they're coming to talk to him. We're looking for Mephibosheth. We have orders from David to come get him. I could imagine the tears begin to flow in his eyes. I'm dead. My existence is meager. I mean, it's not like wheelchairs are a thing. It's not like hover rounds are a thing. If you got anywhere, you got carried. If you, if you were royal, you had litter bearers to carry you. If you're a poor man, out in the sticks, you sat there. What do, they, what, what do they do with the lame when Jesus is teaching? They carry them to the gates, right? Carry them to the temple, let them beg for money. They're not weaving, they're not... 
computer programming, things that don't require certain physical strength. They're not writing books or anything like that. They're, they're begging. And so Mephibosheth realizes who he is in relation to David at this point. I'm a dead man. I have no strength that I could fight him off with. He's got guards. There's, there's nothing within me that's going to live. And what does David say when Mephibosheth falls before him? He says, don't be afraid. Don't fear. Because of your father Jonathan, I want to show you kindness. He reaches down and maybe Mephibosheth sees a black line in his wrist. Maybe he doesn't. But David says, because of Jonathan, because of the blood covenant that I have with Jonathan, I want to show you kindness. Everything that was your grandfather's, I'm going to give back to you. And in humility, Mephibosheth replies, what, again, the prostrated himself and said, what is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? Now, for us, we look at the word dog and we think, yes, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. In biblical times, it's a great insult. When Jesus encounters the Syrophoenician woman and she begs for her daughter's healing, Jesus said, is it fit that we take bread from the table and throw it from the children and throw it to the dogs? It's not a racial slur. It's not an ethnic slur. It's just a, I'm a whole lot better than you slur. It's just a bad name that we call somebody. It's, it's, the, it's the epitome of the insult to them to call somebody a dog. Dogs weren't kept. Dogs weren't considered clean. They weren't considered great. If you had dogs, they had one purpose, and that was hunting or guarding. So, but he's like, I'm a dead dog. Not only am I the lowest of the low, but I'm dead. My carcass is worthy to be drug out and burned. Then the king called Saul's servant Ziba and said to him, All that belong to Saul and all to his house I give to your master's grandson. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. You shall bring in the produce so that your master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall eat at my table regularly. Mephibosheth was crippled. He had a crippling that happened. Just like us, he was crippled, that we're crippled in sin. We had that crippling because of a fall. Then Mephibosheth has a calling. He gets called upon. God calls upon us. John 6 says, nobody can come to Christ unless called by the Father, and Christ says, I keep all that come to me. God calls. Come out of sin. Come to me, ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I came to heal the sick, not the whole. The whole don't need a physician. But you're all sick. You're all sick with sin. But not only does he have a calling, he has a continuance. He continues in grace. What does David say? He says, he will eat at my table. And it says that Mephibosheth ate continually at David's table. He's like one of David's sons. Hey guys, this is your cousin Mephibosheth. You've not ever met him 
Or if you did, you played with him when y'all were a little bitty years ago in secret. But he's, he's one of us now. Oh, okay. Hey, can you pass the biscuits? Can you imagine the grace that he feels at this moment? Just like us. If we answer that call, if we realize our crippled situations, and we get into that, and we answer God's call upon our life, we get to continue in God's grace. Because of the blood covenant. There's nothing within you that's worthy. There's nothing within me that's worthy. There's nothing in you that's great before God. There's nothing in me that's great before God. But there's a couple of marks on a set of wrists in heaven. They say, Daddy, I've got a blood covenant. As much as you honor me, honor them. Mephibosheth sat at the table as one of who? As one of David's sons. We have the right to call God Father now. Because of a couple of marks. The covenant calls us out. God looks down at us when we should just lay there and cry and say, What am I to you? I am nothing but a dead dog. There's nothing good in me. Who am I that your master look that you master look upon me? And God leans over. And 365 times in his word he says, Do not fear. Don't be afraid. I want to show kindness to you. For Christ's sake. Because on that tree, blood was shed in a covenant. See, we can't divorce the first covenant from the second covenant or the new covenant because the new covenant is the fulfilling of the old covenant. When Christ dies on that cross and He says, it is finished, the old covenant has been fulfilled and what the old covenant then provides for is the new covenant covenant of blood, a covenant of grace, a covenant of mercy, a covenant of no, you're not worthy. No, there's nothing good in you, but I love you. And for Christ's sake, you'll feast at my table. You'll walk with me. You'll live with me. You'll come and you'll stay with me. When I have a banquet, you have a place of honor. When I'm walking in the way, you're walking with me. When I'm rejoicing, you're rejoicing with me. When I mourn, you're mourning with me. But you're walking as mine because of a couple of marks. Because God looked down and realized we're crippled. There's nothing within us. We're impotent as far as we go spiritually. There's nothing that we can do spiritually to make our, to make our situation. We can't. It's not of, it's, you're saved by grace through faith, not of works, so that anyone could boast. The whole council is here. You're here. You're right here in these passages. You have the same crippling, the same calling, and if you've answered the same continuance. I've been crippled. I've been called. I continue on. If you've not, 
answered your calling. God's calling you, come home. Come home. Come home. Come back. There's no continuance. If Mephibosheth had refused the guards, what would have probably happened? Probably died. You have an audience with the king. I don't want to go. No, you can't make me. We can, but you go in shackles. You go as a prisoner and not as a guest. Is God calling? Have enough pastors, preachers, Sunday school teachers, friends told you that God's calling you? God wants you to come out of sin. You've been crippled by sin, but there's grace and there's healing in God. And you're just like, mm, no, don't you know who I am? I'm head of my division at work. I'm the manager of this store. I'm a head nurse, or I'm a doctor here, or I own this little business. Don't you know who I am? Mephibosheth could have played the card. Don't you know who my daddy was? Don't you know who my granddaddy was? Yeah, I can see that one playing out well before God. Don't you know who my mama was? She was a dirty, rotten sinner. What you got? But there's a calling that God's put upon you. Come, that you may sit at my table, that you may eat, that you may continue as my child, not as a child of perdition. I want to adopt you. I want to take you into my house. I want you to be mine. Answer it. See what God's got in store. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, it's so precious. God, it's timely. Father, help us to seek you. Father, help us to follow after you. Father, help us to answer your call. Father, we're crippled. But Lord, you called us to be princes, to be princesses, to walk in you, to live in you. Father, may you have your will and your way in our lives. Draw us close to you. Father, bear hug us. Draw us up in your lap. Let your warm breath breathe down upon us, God. Father, we love you. Father, we praise you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Oh
by activities tonight. Uh, Wednesday are we off or TBD? All right, to be determined. Um, when, we, when we get through praying, out the door as fast as possible. You can congregate out in the parking lot. It's your liability at that point, not the churches. Uh, who's deacon of the week this week? All right, Kevin's going to come and dismiss us. Go outside. Feel free to chat outside all you want to. Convicting word, but yet encouraging word. It's all at the same time, dear Lord. Just ask that you would be with those that are uh, dealing with illness and sickness. Just ask that your healing hand would be upon them. Uh, just thank you for David and um, for giving him the ability to share your word this morning. Just say all these things in your heavenly and gracious name. Amen.